You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 3rd, 2021. My name is Philip Rossmark. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. Today on the season premiere of Locked On Magic. That's, that's, that's just something that I keep track of. It, that, that's really meaningless. The calendar is officially flipped in the 2021 season to the 2022 season. We'll talk about where the Magic stand entering free agency. It'll be, it's been quiet so far for the Orlando Magic. We'll talk about what the roster looks like, what needs the Magic have to fill. Um, and then we'll get into a little bit more about Jalen Suggs as our good friend from Locked On Zag, Stephen Carr, joins the show to tell us more about Jalen Suggs. Also break down the Magic Summer League roster and some of the things we're excited to see as Summer League gets set to start. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's what you grab all the podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the land of Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Miami Heat or the Toronto Raptors or whoever after their big, busy uh, first day of free agency, you can check out those team podcasts. You can also check out the Lockdown NBA podcast for the global view of the NBA's free agency in the first day of free agency. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college, too, there is a Lockdown podcast for you. Just start driving a little podcast for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. The Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's podcast also brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. So, free agency officially begun. It is officially the 2022 season now. The calendar has flipped over. Contracts have flipped over a year. Uh, we are officially in the new year. We are officially all O&O, and everything is super, super, super exciting. Um, the first day of free agency, of course, is a huge sham. Uh, everything's already been negotiated. Everything's already been discussed. Everything's already been agreed to a minute into free agency, not even a minute into free agency in some cases. Um, but teams have already begun to, to, to use up their cap room and, and bring players in. Predictably, the Magic have been quiet, though. Orlando had a little bit of cap room. Uh, by my calculations, around 7 to $8 million of cap room to spend this offseason. Functionally, with all the cap holes that the Magic have retained, there are a lot of them. Uh, it was roughly $5 million, um, and really, the Magic are really playing like they're a team that is at the salary cap number, if not over the salary cap number. The only really free agent tools the Magic have um, are, is their room, which is about, you know, again, 7 to $8 million. They have the room exception, which is about $4.5 million. Um, and then if they keep all those cap holes... They have the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is about $9 million. However, important to note, and they also have the biannual exception, which is, I think, $2 million. Um, a contract starting at $2 million. Um, important to note, if the Magic were to use any of those exceptions, they would be hard-capped for the year. Um, and that could end up uh, causing some problems if the Magic wanted to use their $17 million trade exception that they created in the Evan Fournier trade. Essentially, what I'm getting at with all the cap minutiae there is that the Magic were not going to be big spenders this year. If anything, the Magic are loaded with cap room entering next summer, which is a much better free agent summer. But then again, the Magic probably aren't in a position to spend in free agency anyway. I've kind of surmised that the Magic 
might be more willing to rent that cap space next summer, uh, grab some future assets, grab some future first-round picks, continue to stockpile uh, future assets to make the big move when they're ready to make the big move. Um, I don't think they're ready to make that big move quite yet. Uh, So the Magic are going to be patient here. The Magic are going to be pretty quiet. And as I'm recording this at 12.15 in in a.m., the Magic haven't done anything. Um, again, that is expected. Um, really, the big move, the biggest move that is left at this moment is um, Dwayne Bacon. His contract becomes fully guaranteed, I believe, on August sixth. So that's the next move that we're that we're waiting on. The Magic haven't released Dwayne Bacon yet. If he's still on the roster past August sixth or whatever that date is, it's in early August. Um, then he will remain on the Magic, and the Magic will have uh, fourteen roster spots already filled, which leaves only one left to fill. Um, it's important then to, as we're looking, and, and I'm just reading this now, Otto Porter is agreed to a deal with the Golden State Warriors, so that takes a huge cap hold off the Magic's books. I wasn't expecting Otto Porter back as well. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reporting that Otto Porter has joined the Golden State Warriors. Again, not a huge surprise that the Magic are not re-signing Otto Porter. So obviously the Magic are in this rebuilding mode. Um, my suspicion is the team is kind of waiting for this first wave of free agency to finish. Um, uh, waiting for this first wave of free agency to finish before they start hitting the trade market. You know, if someone struck out on a shooter that they really that they really wanted, maybe that's when they chase after Terrence Ross. Um, I do think Terrence Ross has a market. I do think that it is very very likely that he will be dealt uh, at, at at some point during this off season. Um, and again, maybe that's how the Magic add the pieces that they need. Um, I think that the uh, I think that that one of the big things here then is what do the Magic need? What are the Magic looking for? So I thought it was handy to go through the depth chart a little bit um, and to kind of map out what this team is going to look like. Um, That way we can know what the Magic should be targeting in trades, what the Magic should be targeting in free agency. The depth chart, uh, as I have it currently, looks like this. At point guard, you've got Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, and Michael Carter-Williams. Shouldn't be much debate there. Shooting guard, Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, and R.J. Hampton. Small forward, you got Chumo, Kiki, and Terrence Ross. Power forward, Jonathan Isaac and Franz Wagner. Center, Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba. So that gets you to uh, 6, 8, 10, 12 players. Dwayne Bacon uh, would slide in as a 3. I do think that the Magic would either keep Dwayne Bacon, and at this point, I'm kind of thinking that the Magic might keep Dwayne Bacon. He's... You know, despite what people say about him and the way that he plays, he does put the ball in the basket. That's he's really good at that. Um, and uh, I think the, I think the younger players respect him and, and and like him on the team as kind of a, a, a now he's not a veteran by any means, but as an older player. And so I do think that there's some value to that. I don't think letting him go is necessarily the wrong decision at this point. Again, the Magic just relied on him too much last year. He was fine for what the Magic originally signed him for. The Magic also have free agents in James Ennis and Mortz Wagner hanging out there. Um, I don't think Ennis will be back. I think Ennis will probably sign with a playoff contender. Wagner is about a 50-50 right now. Um, it might depend on what else the Magic do. His Germany lost to Slovenia on Monday on Monday morning or Monday night, um, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon in Japan. Um, so he is out of the Olympics now, so it'll be curious to see what happens with him and where he ends up. I think that that is a, a, a kind of last phase of free agency type move um, that the Magic might make. Um, so very clearly, I think the Magic have two needs. 
They need probably one more wing, maybe a bigger wing, unless they plan on playing Franz Wagner at the three, in which case they probably need a four. So either way, they need a bigger three, four wing type player just to kind of fill in those last bits and minutes. Um, And then I think they need a third string center behind Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba. Um, Other than that, you know, again, what they do with Terrence Ross is going to be, is going to play a role in a lot of what they do this offseason. What they might do with Gary Harris is also going to play a role. Otherwise, this Magic roster is pretty full already, and, and there just isn't a, a lot of impetus, I think, to, to spend a lot of money. Again, say what you want about the strategy. I, I get the criticism of it. This is a Magic team. This is a Magic front office that is not trying to lock up long-term salary. They're not trying to kind of uh, kind of put themselves in a bind uh, financially or, or get rid of all the kind of financial flexibility that they created after after the trades. Um they're gonna they're gonna hold tight with this group, I think, for a little bit longer. Um, winning is not the number one goal. I think it is a goal, but it is not the number one goal next year. Number one goal next year is development and to kind of see what they have and see what fits and what doesn't as they begin to shape and form this team. Next year is very much an evaluation year, so expect the Magic to stay relatively quiet. Um, I do think there might be a free agent signing coming up here very very soon. That might happen while I'm recording this podcast. Um, I'm recording this now at 12, 15 a.m. before the U.S. basketball game. Um, there's, that, there, I, I think the Magic will remain fairly quiet on this trade front or on this free agent front. So don't expect the Magic to do a lot of things. The biggest rumor that I saw coming out on, on Monday was from Matt Moore of the Action Network um, who said that uh, most uh, that some, a lot of rival executives believe that the Magic will re-sign Wendell Carter before uh, training camp begins, uh, sign him to a rookie extension uh, that will be worth about $17 million, uh, $70 million total over four years. Sounds like it's coming, it's going to come, that's what it's going to come to uh, to retain Wendell Carter. Again, um, I am recording this at 12.15. Rookie extensions can, could not be discussed until after midnight. We already saw Trey Young and Shea Gilgis Alexander sign rookie extensions. Um, rookie extension deadline is usually October 31st. I, I I think I might be um, among among the minority here. I'm not completely sold on Wendell Carter. Uh, I think it would be better to kind of wait and see how he plays out this season and let him hit restricted free agency before making any decisions on him and locking him up for four years, even if it's a front-loaded deal. Um, that's going to be a podcast for another day. Um, again, we'll see what the news, how the news develops and whatnot. But for now, free agency, the Magic are probably going to stand pretty still. Um, you know, again, I think there will be a couple moves coming up here in the next few weeks, few days maybe, um, before training camp for sure, obviously. Um, I think the Magic will be a little bit more active closer to the trade deadline um, and closer to the uh, and after kind of this first or second wave of free agency, but don't expect the Magic to make any impact signings uh, at this juncture. They're going to be looking to kind of maintain uh, roster flexibility and cap flexibility uh, for teams that are looking for something that they didn't get in free agency. I think that's kind of the Magic's posture. Obviously, the Magic made their big acquisition already with the draft picks. Getting Jalen Suggs was a huge victory. And so we're going to chat with someone who knows Jalen Suggs pretty, pretty well. We're going to talk to Locked On Zags, uh, Stephen Carr, coming up here in just a moment. But first, rockauto.com is the sponsor of this podcast. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. 
Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need at rockauto.com. And I'm joined now by Stephen Carr, the host of Locked On Zags. And Stephen, we were talking a little bit beforehand, uh, a very, very happy Orlando Magic fan base to welcome Jalen Suggs. I figured we should have you on to tell us a little bit more about him. Uh, first, though, uh, how are you doing and, and, and what was your reaction to draft night last Thursday? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Um, I, I think first and foremost, my reaction was why in the world did Toronto not draft Jalen Suggs? Because I thought the perf- I thought the fit was perfect for both Toronto and Jalen Suggs. I thought it was going to be a happy marriage. He would just, you know, fill in right for Kyle Lowry, who we have found out since is going to uh, leave Toronto, which I think most people kind of expected, which is why everybody kind of, you know, mocked Jalen Suggs to go to Toronto. And the fact that they chose Scotty Barnes when there's a lot of, um, you know, repetition, I guess you could say, with uh, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, they all kind of fill the same niche, uh, sort of speak. And they needed another guard to, to go next to Fred Van Fleet. And that was supposed to be Jalen Suggs. So the fact that he dropped a five to Orlando, I think Magic fans are absolutely thrilled with it. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and you know, we've been buzzing here in Orlando. I'm sure, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos that have come out uh, from Orlando on draft night. Um, there, was, there was cheers when Barnes went to Toronto, knowing that, that Suggs was still going to be there. It feels like it's a little bit of a dream. Uh, for Orlando, I imagine it was sort of the same feeling when Suggs picked Gonzaga. Because if I'm not mistaken, he's the highest recruit, highest ranked recruit to ever go to Gonzaga before uh, before, before Chet Holmgren. Yes, for the new yes. guy, before Chet Holmgren, his before former team, Magic Center, Chet Holmgren. Yes, exactly. Former teammate of Jalen Suggs in high school in Minnesota. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think um, you know he was supposed to be. He thought about playing football and basketball in college. And as soon as he decided, hey, we're going to go basketball only route, I think Gonzaga was kind of the clear favorite from then on. And obviously we were thrilled to get him and he exceeded all expectations, I think, in his one season in Spokane. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I think I think what, what I want to get kind of nailed down is, is what the Jalen Suggs experience was like at, at Gonzaga. Obviously he only has that one year of college uh, under his belt and you know, it was such a a great season for Gonzaga. Obviously, it fell short of the national championship, but an incredible undefeated run that that takes that takes a lot uh, to do. And obviously, Gonzaga had a great team around him. But what was what was Jalen Suggs's role? What really stood out about the way Jalen played for Gonzaga this season? Well, I think first and foremost is Jalen Suggs is a winner and the ultimate competitor. One of those guys that's going to do anything possible. Um, to help his team win. And that started before the season ever even began because they had a kid named Andrew Nemhard. for those that aren't familiar with Gonzaga, a kid named Andrew Nemhard who played two seasons over at Florida in the SEC, double-figure score, pure point guard, kind of like Jalen Suggs is, uh, but he was not supposed to be able to play this past season. He was supposed to redshirt because he transferred to Gonzaga. But with COVID, they essentially gave everybody a free year and, uh, you know, gave everybody a waiver. If they wanted to play right away, they were allowed to play right away. And the coaching staff went to Jalen Suggs and was like, look, 
you're our guy, but we've got this guy, Andrew Nempard, who we think can help the team. What do you think about this? And he's absolutely, let's get this guy to play. He makes the team better. I can play with him. And that's what they did. The two of them, uh, about midway through the season, the two of them started every single game the rest of the way, and they were an incredible one-two punch. Jalen Suggs did not have to have the ball in his hand the entire time uh, to make a difference for Gonzaga. Uh, But when he did have the ball in his hands, he he was the go-to guy. When Gonzaga absolutely needed a shot or needed a basket, or if it's the end of the shot clock, um, Jalen Suggs was the guy that made the shots for him. Uh, He won the WCC championship basically by himself down the stretch uh, by hitting two huge threes that kind of iced the game. Obviously, you saw what he did uh, against UCLA when he hit the the 35-footer at the buzzer to win that game. Um, but he also was two assists shy of a triple-double in the Elite Eight against USC. Like this, anytime there's a big moment, it was Jalen Suggs. And if you want a crazy stat about him, he's the only guy uh, in 22 years now that Mark Few has been the head coach of Gonzaga, the only guy that he's ever coached that has averaged 14, at least 14 points, five rebounds, four assists, 50% shooting from the field. And there's been a lot of good Gonzaga players uh, throughout the time that Mark Few has been head coach. Jalen Suggs is the only one to average at least 14 points, five rebounds, four assists, and shoot 50% from the field. So he's the ultimate winner, the ultimate competitor, uh, and just an overall uh, great basketball player. Yeah, and I mean, obviously that's why everyone was super high on him entering the draft process and and really uh, looking at him as a potential, you know, as, you know, this was a very good draft class. I think in most draft classes, Suggs would probably have been a number one, number two pick instead of a number four, number five pick. That's that's just how kind of loaded this draft class was. Um, what what areas did did Suggs really improve upon? Because I mean, obviously, uh, young kid, you know, fresh freshman in college, everyone's looking to get better. Where, where did you see growth from Jalen throughout the course of the season? Um, I, I would say his decision making was always fairly good, but I think he entered the NBA draft as probably the smartest ball screen decision maker in the draft. And that wasn't necessarily the case when he first came to campus. I mean, he was good, but by the end of the season with the number of ball screens Gonzaga runs um, and the system that they put in place there, they're essentially teaching these guards how to run ball screens properly all the time by reading, you know, which defenders to read and how to kind of react from there. And so I I said, you know, leading into this draft, I thought Jalen Suggs was the best ball screen decision maker in this draft. And with the NBA, essentially, it's it's shot creation individually and a lot of ball screen. So I think Jalen Suggs is certainly going to excel in that area. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, young kid too. I, I mean, I got to ask this question too. Uh, where where, do, where does where does Jalen still need to improve a little bit? Is what was there anywhere that 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 he showed some weakness uh, in, in his in his great season at Gonzaga? Yeah, I would say there's there's two things. One is probably more um, notable than the other. The minor one, I guess, is um, sometimes you like to force, um, you know, kind of contested passes, kind of not necessarily showboat passes, but passes that probably didn't need to be made. Um, but he kind of reined that in a lot uh, once the games mattered and it was the, you know, the NCAA tournament, he got a lot better at that. But he could still get kind of gets a little wild hair up the behind every once in a while, if you know what I mean. Uh, But the other one that I would say is more important is his consistency shooting the basketball. It's really interesting with him because he's a better uh, shooter off the bounce than he is shoot uh, or catch and shoot, I should say, which is kind of the opposite, it feels like, for most players that play basketball. Uh, But his step-back jumper is, I mean, really, really good. He can... Uh, you know, if somebody goes underneath a ball screen, he's going to pull up and pop a shot and he's going to make it. 
But when it's just pure catch and shoot, I mean, he shot probably under 30% uh, during the season at Gonzaga, but he shot closer to 40% off the bounce. It's just kind of a weird reverse split, which, you know, most of the time you get a catch and shoot guy, they're shooting 40 plus percent and then off the bounces, uh, you know, a little bit worse, but Jalen's the opposite. So if he can get some consistency uh, with his catch and shoot um, to go along with his, his, you know, step back jumpers, I think he's going to, you know, that, that kind of strengthens his one real weak spot in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, I mean, these, these, what we're talking about, 19, 20 year old kids here, it's, it's always going to take a little bit more. It's always going to mean, a, uh, take a little bit more to get, get all the way up. And then there's obviously a lot, a lot of room to grow. And uh, Suggs, you know, seem to just have this, this really great year at Gonzaga. But I mean, I think what, you know, surprised people, obviously there's the big games, you know, he had the big moment against UCLA, had a, you know, a solid run in the NCAA tournament. Um, but, you know, his, his numbers, you know, while impressive, you know, seem to be a little bit depressed. Is that just a product of, you know, Gonzaga played a lot of blowouts. You know, they had a fairly balanced roster. I mean, that was a, a really good team. It wasn't just Jalen Suggs. How, how does he fit maybe into, into who the Magic are where, you know, they got a lot of interesting young guys, but they're not maybe as experienced a, a, of a team as, as that Gonzaga team was. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to kind of what I said towards the beginning of this is that he didn't have to be the guy all the time. And I mean, they had Drew Timmy who scored close to 20 points a game. They had Corey Kispert who went 15th in the draft who was scoring close to 20 points a game. Like the offense for the most part ran through those two guys and Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nemhard were kind of the distributors um, for those two. But like I said, when they absolutely needed a basket or they needed somebody to go one-on-one and create for themselves, like if you go back and watch that Baylor game in the national championship, Jalen Suggs, after his early foul trouble, was really the only one on that team that could break anybody off the bounce and kind of, you know, score for himself and deal with the physicality that Baylor had. Nobody else on Gonzaga's roster was able to do that. So when Jalen Suggs has to be the guy, he is the guy. And now that he's on a Orlando roster that's, you know, not super, super talented, uh, to say the least, I think he's going to be the guy. And he's, you know, he gets the keys to the car, so to speak. And you know, he can do whatever he wants. And so it's, I, I said this on my podcast the other day. I was looking at the, the betting odds for who would win rookie of the year. And I don't think Evan Mobley is going to do it because I don't think he's going to score enough. I'm sure he can impact the game in other ways, especially defensively. But I think it's going to come down to um, Kate Cunningham and Jalen Suggs because I think those are the two guys that are going to have the ball in their hands the most and can score the most. Um, and I think Jalen Suggs already, as in, in year one, has a higher floor than pretty much anybody outside of Cade Cunningham. And whether that ceiling is higher than, you know, Jalen Green or Evan Mobley is yet to be seen. But you got to remember, too, that Jalen Suggs played football up until, you know, basically senior year of high school. So he was missing five months or so of basketball development every single year while a lot of these other players were playing basketball 11 or 12 months out of the season or out of the year, I should say. So now that he's devoting 12 months out of the year just to basketball, I think the argument that his ceiling is lower than others, I don't think that's necessarily true. We don't know what his ceiling is because now he's playing basketball all the time. Um, so I think he's got the highest floor of anybody outside of Kate Cunningham. And, you know, who knows what his ceiling is going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's a lot of what I think a lot of the scouts were saying was like, Suggs is going to be able to come in and, and make an impact pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I've kind of said that I agree with that. I think he has a pretty low bust potential. Like even if he isn't the superstar that everyone hopes he can be and, and believes he can be, 
he's still going to be a really good player. And I think a lot of it, you know, there's always that narrative about guys who played football and just, just the toughness that it brings. And I think, I think that has something to do with it, but what, in what ways did that kind of football experience play itself out in, in the way that he played last year? Yeah. I mean, certainly toughness is part of it, but I also think it's um, his vision in, in open court um, helped, or I guess his football uh, background helps with his vision in open court and in ball screens. Like I said, he's a great decision maker, but he can also anticipate where players are at and where they're going to be. And I think his football background as a quarterback, you know, kind of breaking down and reading defenses um, in a different sport certainly helps with basketball. Um, I mean, I think he's not just offensively, but defensively as well. He's a great, great, great anticipator. Um, defensively, kind of reading what's going to happen. He's, he's, you know, rotating defensively and is taking away either shots at the rim or he's jumping passing lanes to get easy steals and layups going the other way. And then offensively in transition, uh, I mean, he and Corey Kispert were unbelievable together. Like he knew exactly where Corey Kispert was going to be spotting up. He would, you know, flatten the defense and pitch it behind him to Corey Kispert, who was trailing, and they'd hit threes all the uh, pretty much all the time. So um, I think his football background certainly helped with his toughness, but also helped with his court vision a lot as well. Yeah, um, I, I'd be remiss if I asked this before I kind of get into projecting what he is in the NBA. Uh, and I'm sorry if this is a little bit out of order at, at this point, but um, what did that? I mean, what did that shot against UCLA mean? Uh, what did what did that represent to you about who this this kid is? I mean, obviously it would have been better if it, if it ended, ended with a national championship. But you know, I was certainly cheering for for uh, Gonzaga to, to to complete the, un, the undefeated season, but. Um, what what did what did that shot mean to to Gonzaga to to Suggs? What did that mean to to kind of cap off his season? First, I mean, I was just so happy for him because I mean, he came in here and he said, I mean, he was very clear right from day one. He's like, I'm coming here to win a national championship for Gonzaga and and hoist the first national championship trophy in school history. Like that was his goal from day one, and he was going to do whatever it took to do that. And, you know, obviously this was the biggest moment in the biggest game of the season. And he was the one who made the shot. So I was just thrilled for him. For Gonzaga, obviously, it was huge to get back to the national championship again and continue that undefeated streak. Of course, the shot would have meant a whole lot more if they would have beaten Baylor and won that national championship. But at the time, it was just such a moment of euphoria, especially in such a strange, strange season with COVID and, you know, the limited attendance. Um, and all the kid, all the stuff that the kids had got, excuse me, all the stuff that the kids had to go through all season long. Um, and even in the bubble, I mean, they were secluded from everybody for essentially four weeks. And so for them to be able to just go out and play basketball and for Jalen Suggs to have that moment um, was awesome for him, was awesome for the school, was awesome for his teammates. And it's certainly something that none of us are ever going to forget. Yeah. I, I, and honestly, I don't think any basketball fan is going to forget that. I mean, I think you know, the Baylor, Baylor may have won the battle, but uh, uh, I don't think they won the war. I think whenever we look back at the 2021 20, NCAA tournament, it's, it's going to be the Sug shot that, that wins the day. And, 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 and maybe that means more, maybe that doesn't. Um, but uh, the, the, the NBA game is obviously a little bit different than the college game. Um, and there are players who are really successful at the college level who struggle at the NBA level. There are players who aren't that aren't that impressive at the college level who play really well at the NBA level. Uh, what, what about Jalen Suggs's game? Do you think translates to better to the NBA game and, and maybe where are some areas that, that, that he's going to have to kind of struggle and adjust to what the NBA throws at him? 
Well, I, I think he's really, really good in open space. And in the NBA, there is more open space than there is in college, especially since you can't just park yourself in the lane defensively because you get your three second call. So um, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to do really, really well in that respect. The one thing that I would say about his individual creation is he tends to rely a little bit um, on his crossover. He doesn't have necessarily the widest array of um, dribble, you know, dribble handling moves. Um, but his first step is so explosive and that crossover is so damn good that it necessarily, I mean, in college, it didn't matter whatsoever. At the NBA level, of course, he's going to have to add a little bit to his repertoire, but um, he plays really well in open space. He's fantastic in ball screens, but I do think, um, you know, his handle could use a little bit of work and tightening up a little bit and a little bit more, you know, a wider array of moves. His shooting, obviously, like I said, needs to be a little bit more consistent. And then on the defensive end, some people think that this is a detriment. I don't necessarily think it is in today's NBA, but he likes to gamble a lot defensively, whether it's on the ball or off the ball, trying to, you know, anticipate and, and jump for steals and, th and those kinds of things. Um, and if you gamble and you lose in college, not necessarily those five on four opportunities are going to get cashed in on at the NBA level. If you get a five on four, most likely you're going to score. So he put, he, he could put his team in a little bit of a bind uh, if he continues to gamble and he misses on those gambles. But for the most part, I, I think the NBA's defense has turned into just a lot of gambling in today's NBA. So I don't necessarily think that's a huge detriment, but I would say that's certainly something to watch on the defensive end. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I think if it were Steve Clifford were still a coach of the magic, that would probably be something to be very concerned about. I get the feeling though, that the magic's new coach and Jamal Mosley is going to be uh, telling guys to up the pressure and, and, tr and try and, you know, take a little bit of those chances, especially with how good offenses are in the league today. You got to, kind of create your own defensive opportunities too. So maybe that isn't such a bad thing. Um, Steven, I, I want to thank you for coming on and, and telling us a little bit more about Jalen Suggs. We're all really, really excited here in Orlando to have Jalen. We're excited to see him in summer league next week uh, and, and get to get to know this, get to know him even, even more. Um, Steven, where can people find you if they want to ask you, if they want to pester you with any more questions about Gonzaga, about Jalen Suggs or, or anything else? Well, you can find me locked on Zags. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, five days a week, all about Gonzaga content, which during this offseason has been a struggle considering we don't have a football team and it's just basketball. But we've been grinding out content five days a week, Locked On Zags. You can find me on Twitter at SCargo, at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. And then uh, I've got a website. If you're super interested in Gonzaga basketball, I've got a, a website in my pinned tweet where you can find all X's and O's content, which breaks down all of Gonzaga's offense from this past season. So you can kind of see more in depth about what Jalen Suggs does. If you want to look at that, um, you guys are going to love Jalen Suggs, not just the basketball player, but the human being. He's a fantastic interview, incredibly good person. And I'm excited that he's going to get a chance to thrive in Orlando. Yeah. And, and don't, don't worry. Uh, you know, I think we will be watching a lot of Gonzaga basketball again this year. If, if, you know, very, 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 yep, very, very young roster for not, I mean, I think there is some optimism. The magic might surprise some people. And if they do, you know, it'll be because Jalen Suggs is the rookie of the year. Um, but uh, I, I get the feeling that we will be talking again toward the draft next year about uh, a couple of players on the Zach's roster. Um, Steven, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it. You got it. Take care. Before we dive a bit into the Magic's summer league roster. Let's uh, say a quick word 
from our pals at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest place to get all your sports action. Baseball season is now in full swing. It's about the only thing in full swing right now, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action too. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Closing up shop here. I want to thank uh, I want to thank our guest again for coming on to the show and telling us a little bit more about Jalen Suggs. We'll get to learn a whole lot more about Jalen Suggs starting next week. As the Orlando Magic begin their summer league, that'll be next next Monday actually against the Warriors on August 9th, I believe is when they when they start their summer league play. Uh, obviously, super exciting to get those guys on the court. And the Magic officially announced their summer league roster on Monday. Among the guys on the team are the guys you would expect: Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner will make their Magic debuts uh, in the summer on the summer league team. Very very excited to see them play. They'll be joined by second-year players Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton. Notably, Chuma Okiki is not on the Magic Summer League roster. Why that is the case, I do not know. Um, there's plenty of speculation on that, but I don't want to dig into it. Um, we saw plenty from Chuma. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with where he's at. Hopefully, it's not an injury issue. Um, it is puzzling, too, that he did not uh, at least get into the Nigeria player pool and try out for the Nigerian national team uh, for the Olympics. Uh, they, uh, they bowed out in the preliminary round. Uh, after a pretty uh, pretty strong uh, pre pre uh, pre tournament run, where including a win over the United States, biggest win in African basketball history, um, but the Nigerian team failed to win uh, at the Olympics. So it would have been interesting to see Chumo Kiki on that team, especially with a, a good coach in Mike Brown there, uh, coaching that team. Um, so the Magic will have four really important players on the summer league roster, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they all work together. Um, according to some reports. Jamal Mosley is expected to coach at least the first couple of summer league games. Maybe the first two, maybe just the first one. Um, he's probably going to uh, give it up to his staff at some point as well. Um, but Mosley will Bill will be in the lead chair and will have a hand in this summer league roster and certainly to prep for this summer league team. I think for how with having four key rotation players on this summer league roster already, that's going to be a pretty good leg up heading into training camp and a, a pretty good idea. Uh, uh, Mosley's going to have a pretty good idea of how to use and, and, and how to how to deploy these players that he's going to have available to him during the regular season. So I think that's going to be a huge advantage for him. I think it's going to help the Magic really help to identify, uh, develop their identity and help these guys get a head start. Of course, all four of those players, uh, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, uh, Jalen Suggs, and Franz Wagner, all didn't, have not played Summer League before uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, so this will be a good experience for all of them. There's some other interesting names and, and guys to note on the Summer League roster as well that I think are certainly worth uh, pointing out and giving some attention to. Uh, there are five players from the Lakeland Magic that will be on the roster as well. Um, I would say keep an eye on John Teske. He did training camp with the Magic last year, um, was the starting center for Lakeland during their playoff run, and while his numbers are not impressive, um, not, a, not a particularly strong rebounder, at least by the numbers, um, not a good shooter, Really solid defender, good big body at seven foot one. Um, if the Magic are looking for a two-way contract to add some center depth, that could be a good place to go for their two-way contract. Um, they're also going to have uh, one of the best 
defensive players in the entire G League. Guy who was a starter for the Lakeland Magic during their championship run. I'm going to pull up his name here in a second. Um, uh, in uh, where's his name? Where's his name? I'm sorry, I'm still learning everybody's name here as well. Taj Edie. Um, so Taj Edie really had a really strong year with the Lakeland Magic. Uh, could be a really good find uh, as well. Again, these some of these guys are going to be two A option players. A uh, Magic roster is pretty loaded. Taj Edie, six foot four, really good rebounder for a six foot four guy. But I think the Magic are probably going to be looking for a little bit of wing help there. Wouldn't be surprised if they use one of their two-way contracts uh, on a, a more veteran point guard style player. Probably not on this uh, on this G League roster. But the name that that caught a lot of Magic fans' attention, certainly caught my attention as someone that's followed this team for a long time, uh, Giannis Tima will finally don an Orlando Magic uniform. You might be asking, who is Giannis Tima? Giannis Tima is a Latvian forward who the Magic acquired way back in 2015. Remember Luke Ridnour? Remember when he got traded everywhere that summer? The first trade of his, of the Luke Ridnour summer tour was the Orlando Magic trading him to the Memphis Grizzlies for the draft rights to Giannis Tima. Tima actually played one summer league in Orlando with the Memphis Grizzlies, never made it over to the States. The Grizzlies retained his rights because he never signed a formal contract. Kept playing. Um, you know, he's one of the most decorated play- players in, in Latvia's league, one of the best Latvian players. Kristaps Porzingis is probably the best uh, and most well-known at this point. Um, and he's just continued to play and play well. Um, he played for Kimki Moscow the last two years, averaged about 12 points per game last year. Solid shooter. He's a career 40% three-point shooter at, at the FIBA line. Has had some good runs for the Latvian national team during their tournament runs in Eurobasket and elsewhere. Um, it, it is certainly a question whether he can deal with NBA uh, athleticism and versatility, but this is a really good basketball player and, and someone that had stated before that he was he didn't want to do summer league unless he could see a pathway to get minutes. Um, if the Magic are looking to take a flyer on someone uh, to, to to play that Dwayne Bacon role off the bench, Giannis Tima could very well be that guy. Um, I'm not sure what the motivation is for him at this point to make the trip over after so long. He's 29 years old. He's in the in the prime of his career. If he can play, if he can prove himself to be a valuable player, would not surprise me if he makes the Magic roster. So keep an eye on Giannis Tima during the team's summer league games. He certainly got a lot of motivation to play and play well. Um, that's going to do it for me, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the full places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. While you're there, don't forget to check out the Locked on Bets podcast. You know, yes, there's not a lot going on in the world of sports right now. Baseball really the only sport in season. But Locked on Bets has you covered when the NBA gets going. Doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to this podcast. Hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to follow me as well on Twitter at philiprr__omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll be back again with another episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.